Good afternoon, and welcome to Open Air with Sherry Huber. Good afternoon, Ashwini. Hey, Bob. So I have one announcement here before we get going. If you're already meditating in the morning or wish to start, enjoy the extra support of Meditating with Sangha for virtual meditation groups. The 30-minute conference call meditation sessions happen seven days a week. For a complete schedule and for other practice opportunities, visit livingcompassion.org. And if you'd like to get in the queue to talk with Ashwini today, press star six, then one, to make gasho and get in the queue. And the conversation on one topic, please, in about five minutes is great. All right, Ashwini, I'm going to bring on our first caller. First caller, you're now live on the air, and will you please introduce yourself? Hello, this is Stefania. Hi. Stefania. So I, I just finished my, my recording listening with the mentor just uh, a second ago. <laughs> and I, anyway, and uh, it's connected with what I heard this morning. Um... You know, there's no mistakes. There's um, there is just the present, and there is just life, and how life, whatever life unfolds. At the same time, uh, I was telling, I was talking to the mentor um, about the um, the usual story. I was just telling myself, or the mentor was telling me, is the usual story. Ego uh, is going to find the, so the the usual story to to, to be afraid of the world you know we made mistake in how to handle the environment and now the environment is uh, rebelling in some ways but at the same time if you don't make mistake um, how come that the environment is so ruined right and um, and then connected with my life is don't be afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow because you can just handle the present and so I don't know if I'm confusing, but basically that was my way to kind of stay more calm. And it was like, at the same time, I felt it was an oxymoron because I was saying there's no mistake. But yes, we ruined the environment, so we we made some mistakes. But at the same time, there's no mistake because we just can handle the present. Um, how can we? How can you help me? <laughs> So if I'm hearing right, Stefania, you're doing your appointment with the mentor as part of the year-long retreat. And what you yes. were discussing with the mentor uh, in your appointment was what was going on for you around two different topics. One was <clears throat> um, the fear that, you, uh, that fear that was arising for you around uh, possible environmental damage, right? Mm -hmm. That was one topic. And the same thing in your life about uh, the future. And mm -hmm. what you heard the mentor say was reassuring. Uh, and so, my, so, so I don't understand if the men mentor said something like, you know, ego always wants to frighten you, and so um, stay here, stay present, stay with the breath, and in the moment you don't have to feel afraid. So the... Is that is that what you heard from the mentor? 
Um, yes, but at the same time, there was a component of connected with also this morning uh, calls about you know there's no mistakes. Uh, like uh, someone was saying, you know, I I'm afraid of not doing the right thing because I might make a mistake, and so the 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 guide was saying, you know, there's no mistake. It's just life, and um, because you know, if you do something, then something else would happen, and then you just deal with whatever is afterwards without lingering to the past. However, with the environment we actually experience what the mistakes, if you want to say that, uh, of what we have, ha- how we handle the, the environment is causing problems now and how can we deal with these no mistakes but there were mistakes, you know, in the way we handle the environment. Yeah. You know so what I mean? I and so, yeah. Yeah, 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 please. So, here, so, yeah. so here, this is where we all get confused, right? So mm. from the, within the perspective of conditioned mind, it, life is always dualistic. You're either right or you're wrong, right? So there mm-hmm. is no question. When we say, so we often talk at multiple levels of meaning. And so mm-hmm. to the, what, what the guide is offering us is there's only something wrong if we're in the world of duality. Because in the world of duality, there's something right and there's something wrong. So if you did this, mm-hmm. uh, it, whatever you did, actually, it's going to say there's something wrong with how you did that, right? So y- you, yes. let's just say you, uh, you, let's take a very benign example, right? So uh, you wrote some, you wrote, you made a spelling error when you sent an email. So you sent, you made a spelling error when you sent an email to your boss. Now, from conditioning's perspective, from ego's narrative, oh, you did something wrong. You made a mistake. So the word mistake is an interesting one because it has connotations of something wrong as long as ego is looking at it. Or if you're looking at from the perspective of what actually happened, you made a spelling mistake, in a spelling error. You spelled a word wrong when you sent it to your boss. Is there something wrong with that? Not really. Yeah. So to, to be clear that when we're looking at whether a mistake is something wrong or not, it's where we're looking from. I mean, in the word, word mistake means something wrong. You did something wrong. But there's meaning you could spell a word correctly or incorrectly. You could run with the proper gait or not. You can... Uh, you know, sit on a cushion in the right posture or in a posture that is different from what we would normally advise people to sit in, right? They're all, that's all yeah. how it is. There's nothing wrong if you sit on a cushion in half lotus other than, uh, rather than Burmese when you meditate. But it's not how we sit in this practice. So to be really clear that ego doesn't co-opt what is being offered in terms of the principle, which is there, is, there is there are multiple ways to sit. This way of sitting in this practice is what we offer. If you sit somewhere, some, in some other way, that's not wrong. It's just that you're sitting differently from how we sit in this practice. It's like you play a game. In, in tennis, if you hit the ball outside the line when you serve, the serve, serve doesn't get counted. It's not a mistake. 
right? It's yes. how you play yes. the rules. And so that perspective is what is in, in life. It just simply is what it is. There's nothing wrong with it. The perspective of there's something wrong happens from e- the dualistic perspective we call conditioned mind, right? Now, the yes. second thing that yes. we want to be clearly clear, clear about is if, if X, then X, right? So you, you uh. Uh, send that email. If you, you serve and you serve outside the, the, the line, and mm-hmm. so the point goes to your opponent. Mm-hmm. Just because that you serve outside the line and it's not a mistake, it doesn't mean that the point doesn't go to your opponent. And so what we get confused about is that there are no consequences. Of course there are consequences. There are consequences for everything. But that doesn't mean that the consequence is not the right consequence, is the right consequence or the wrong consequence, unless at that point it's also viewed from conditioned mind. Mm-hmm. So the interesting part to me is, oh, we, 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 we made mistakes, we've ruined the environment, and now we are making, we're not handling it correctly, is a na- one narrative. Or you could say, we did X, Y, and Z, as a result, there is X, Y, and Z. We're doing X, Y, and Z, and there's a result of X, Y, and Z. And that is how it is. Now, is mm. it, is it uh, disappointing? Is it, uh, you know, the trajectory is not hopeful? Absolutely. There are all kinds of things that we can layer onto it. But at the level of the spiritual dimension, we're talking about are we in the world and domain of egocentric karmic conditioning self-hate? looking at it or are we looking at it from from presence without any understanding of everything that's going on to create this moment mm. so basically yeah trying to basically be at peace with what is even if it's a a, a worldwide issue basically in some ways well i would Yes and no, right, uh, Stefania, because if you're at peace with something, to me it sounds like a mistake, just like using the word mistake, because I, I'm acknowledging it's not all right, and I have to be all right with it not being all right. Mm. Right? There is a difference yes. between when you talk to the mentor and you feel comforted by what the mentor says, it's an unconditional sense of okayness because you can be with how it is. You're not trying to effort yourself into a state of mind of acceptance or peacefulness or whatever else because you're trying to be all right with something wrong. Mm. I think I lost the last part. Because, again, if he's very uncomfortable, um, I feel like, you know, it's uncomfortable or scary or it is what it is, but I accept it in a, yeah, that's, I think, the the step, right? You know, you can have pain and not have suffering, but yes. That's it. That's it, exactly. You can have pain and not have suffering. So absolutely, we see these trees burning and the forests being cut down and people trashing the planet and laws being... Absolutely, right? 
What mm-hmm. we want to get in touch with is how I am with all of it. I care deeply. That's what I'm in touch with. That's what being with it means. It's not being with the, with the content of what's happening in the environment because what's really going on is what's happening with me. There might be a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in my external environment that causes me to have the experience I'm having. So the conversation with the mentor, the piece we're talking about, is the ability to be with yourself through it. So if it's uncomfortable, I'm with the discomfort. If I'm feeling pain, I'm with the pain. Mm. I'm not at peace with, oh, it's painful, so I have to be all right. That, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a mental conversation. It's not being with. Mm. So when I'm scared, I'm scared, absolutely. So I have a conversation with the mentor about what that is. I explore what fear is. I explore what's going on for me. What are my beliefs? What are my projections? What am, what am I actually feeling? Uh, how can I bring compa- conscious, compassionate awareness to the person having the experience, to being present to what's going on for me? That's how I work with fear, not oh, it's a scary world, and somehow or the other, I'm trying to be all right with a scary world. No, I'm trying to be all right with what's going on for me that I am scared. Hmm. Yeah, I will, uh, I will try to... Um, yeah, it, the, the, there's a jump there. I think there's a hole in my brain. Yeah. And I try not to think, so that's why I don't know what, <laughs> what to use to well, get. To get to and I would have con- a conversation with the mentor about that, right? About what is that gap? Because, mm-hmm. because, when I'm, because in my practice with recording and listening, as I get more and more into a relationship with the mentor, the, the, the mentor is going to be able to witness what it is that's going on for me. Mm-hmm. And... And it, interestingly, in, in, and I don't know this, maybe you can explore this, right? What you said, the mentor said to you was, it's just another ego story. You don't need to think about the future. Yes, I know it's scary. Come back to the present. Now, mm-hmm. those words, if they actually speak to you and comfort you and allow you to feel heard, it's not so much what the mentor said, but the experience of, what the mentor said. That's where you go with it. That's what's important. And so mm. when you are recording in that listening and uh, in your date with the mentor, practice mm. really paying attention to the, to the mentor coming from true compassion and wisdom as a consequence of which you feel moved to a place from which you are in a state of well-being. That is not content-based at all. And it's truly unconditional, right? Mm. Yes. Because the mentor is never just going to say, be all right with it. Never. Mm. In fact, the mentor might say that, but really what the mentor is communicating is, you know what, Stefania, I'm here with you, right? I know this is scary, but I'm here with you. Mm. Now let's just hold hands and be here in the moment. That's different from it's all right. Right? Okay, because if anyone comes up to us when we're crying and saying, everything's going to be all right, Stefania, you just want to punch them in the face. Mm, 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 mm. That's a very different quality. Yeah, at the same time, it's very subtle too. Yes, but I think, yes, I, kind of got, right. I, think I got it better than a few minutes ago. Thank you. Excellent. 
Yes. You take Thank care. You. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Stefania. Yes, I love that entire conversation. And one place it brought me to was the, the monastery note. You know, so I'm at the monastery <laughs> and I receive a note. And the note may say something like, we don't wear outside shoes in the dining hall, right? And all that's mm -hmm. there is information. But if I'm identified, if I'm believing there's a right and wrong, I, I take, mm -hmm. you know, conditioning takes that information and it just, it just leads to all sorts of suffering. That's right. Yeah. And the only way you can get to it's just information is if you're doing a two-handed. And you get to a place of, uh, of, of disidentification, right, of that centered place where there's nothing wrong, and then you can see it as information. Right, right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I just, you know, it's, well, to me, the note is essentially training, right? The, like, with, with, my, with conditioning, you know, I'm just kind of going to go off with it, but with that training of like, okay, well, here is a note. This is all it is. It's just information. And then I bring it up in group or I talk with a mentor about it or I bring it to open air. I get to see over and over again that the only person seeing that as a judgment of me is conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That the only person who sees it as judgment of me is conditioning. Yeah, it's all fake. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ashwini, we're going to take a break for a good news update, and then we'll come back and talk to more callers. Okay, thanks, Bob. And Jenny, are you there? Hello. I am. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> Welcome to Good News Updates with Living Compassion. I'm pleased to be joined by Penny, who is here to speak with us about her experience of participating in the recent Socratic email class. Welcome, Penny. Hi, Jen. Hey. So another incredibly helpful um, email class, and perhaps mm -hmm. you could tell us about your experience of participating in it. Well, um, one of the things that I that came through just so strongly. Um, Reading the reading the responses and and listening on the phone calls is um, is just how we're all in the same boat. You know, I can, you can I can get I can get um, into the illusion that my particular angst about something is particular and personal and isolating. And, and you read those responses and you listen to people talk and you and you get it that that all of us at some time early on got the message, you should be and you're not. Some version yeah. of that feels well, like. Well put, yes. Yes, and, it's all and, could be put into that. You should be and you're not. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that since, since it's a being message, you know, you should be and you're not, mm. it's a really fundamental foundational kind of message and, um, mm. and, and, and very hard to step out of when you're little and then, it's repeated in endlessly and through any number of contents, and so it gets reinforced and reinforced. And so, it really does take something like a practice to to even get that that's, that that message is what's operating. But clearly, reading everybody's yeah. responses and listening to people, it feels like that's yeah. essentially for me, as I heard it and hear it in myself, the fund kind of the fundamental message that we're trapped in um, yeah. until we have a way to get free. 
Yeah, you should be and you're not. And you really pointed at two elements that, that are so true of an email class. So in order to get free of that fundamental message that was given to us so young, we have to get the information that it's not true, right, which is the teaching, mm -hmm. um, the training to go past it. But what's so helpful about an email class is to realize we're all in the same boat over and over. So, you know, we looked at money, we looked at relationship, we looked at all these different areas, and then to see all these people, dozens and dozens and dozens of people writing in about their experience, oh my gosh, my experience is just the same, which helps to reinforce, okay, this is a personal. It isn't true and real, because in my particular details, it's going to feel real and true. But to see that it's true, that that's happening for so many other people helps to see no, it's, it's a system, it, that's just what it does. It's not real, it's not true, and now we can train to not have to go with it. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think of how often Sherry has said, you know, give somebody an impossible task and then tell them they must do mm -hmm. it and you've got them for life. And that's really what the yeah. you should be but you're not is. It's, it's, you're given an impossible task to be something that you're not, so what are you supposed to do except at some point just suffer through it? And so, again, so as you say, so listening, listening and reading the responses and, and also, of course, through the year-long class, you hear that, um, you begin to get it that, though this is just a system that's working on all of us, and part of what makes it not personal is even those people who conveyed it to me were also just caught in the same system. So it wasn't even personal yeah. in the way it was delivered to me. Um, it's not personal in the way I experience it, and it's not personal, personal in the way it was conveyed. Yeah, boy, that's so helpful, isn't it? So there's no fault, there's no blame in it, there's no, it, it, we're all off the hook, really. It's a system, and it's not personal, and it wasn't personal by, you know, the folks who were uh, imparting those messages to us at such a young age were having the same thing go on for them. And so even a deeper level of it's not personal. Yeah. And another thing that I've, I found really helpful about the email class is I can kind of go along thinking I'm not suffering. <laughs> and, and, and so, being, you know, like I thought, well, I don't really have big issues about money. But then when you're, when you're asked, now look at this, you know, just look at it. Here, start listening to what the voices are saying. Start listening to the messages. And it calls up the stuff that is somewhat subterranean and, and running in a way that's easy to miss if you're not explicitly called to pay attention to that. And so I so appreciated that, that, oh, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like suffering, but in fact, there's a conversation going on that is not, that is coming from conditioning and I'm engaging it and that's suffering. You know, and, and that really illustrates how, you know, a phrase we sometimes use in practice, the more you give, the more you get. So that willingness to, you know, along comes the assignment on money and there could be a, Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm actually, I don't suffer around money, so you could, you know, get talked into letting that one go by you. But instead, doing the work of the class, right, and actually stepping up, and, and when you start to look to see, oh, you know what? There's some subterranean things that are happening around yeah. this. And then, of course, as professional awareness practitioners, we want to look at those places that are subterranean because it's like, great, okay, here are all these other places that I hadn't seen that there's this low-grade suffering happening, and now you're given the support to actually look straight at it. Yeah, yeah. And 
and it was it's so clear in doing that doing the process and again having attention drawn to it so much that um that there is no way to engage in a dialogue with conditioning that doesn't keep you in conditioning you know i mean conditioning yeah. there's nothing it was like there's nothing it wants better than for me to negotiate with it or engage with it or argue with it or and um one of the in this last sunday's call one of the things that came up that i just loved was um, someone was talking about how conditioning paints us into a corner and, and uh-huh. we can try yeah. to negotiate our way out of that corner, figure out how to get out of that corner. And, what's, and what finally happens through practice is we get it, we're, there's no corner. <laughs> there's no corner. And that's, yeah. it's the only way out. You know, the only way out is to step into that other reality that is the actual reality of what's actually happening. But because uh, uh, what's going on in terms of corners and, and conditioning is all mental processes that we've been trained in that we're just used to engaging in and um, <clears throat> that keep us trapped. Yeah, well, and that points at another piece of the magic of the email class, right? I mean, this beautiful <laughs> format of how the assignments come out. Again, you know, we all do the assignment right back in. The guide is reading every single response, writing back to every single person. We all get to read those and then come together on, on the Sunday workshop and get to talk about that and have moments like that where one person says, you know, uses an image like paint into the corner, and everyone else sees so much about that. So, and that's right. so fun, right? And that, in that case, to realize, you know, that, that image of, God, you know, we're painted into this corner, and it can feel so real. I know it really, there really is no way out of this. And that's really, and really is the there is no corner. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a life moment, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, do I have time for one more point? Yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. So one one more point I wanted that really came up for me as I was reflecting on this is um, that experience of um, reading the responses and uh, and then and then listening to responses um, and he, and hearing hearing us all essentially talking toward the same directions, always hearing us working on the same stuff and 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 finding ourselves in corners and then re- realizing how to get out of corners and or how to drop corners all of that um and the way that the year-long class a number of people come in on this and it's my experience too the year-long class and the socratic email class reinforce each other so much what that what i saw in that is that there's a kind of very reassuring coherence in the messages and in the processes we're all engaged in and I find looking at the world right now that it seems really splintered and incoherent and, and trying to figure out, well, how might I respond to this or that is like whack-a-mole, you know? And it can be um, isolating and frustrating and, and, and leaves us kind of um, floundering. And so there's a, ter- a tremendous reassurance of hearing voices all working toward that same sense of let's just how to be with what is and how to be um, all all engaged in the same process together and, and watching how one class supports another class and it, it, it's like it makes the world hold together in a way that just looking at the world and you know through well as the last person was saying looking in, in political stuff or environmental stuff it can be very fragmenting and leave us feeling kind of shattered but i found the experience if i find the experience of the various practice um it, uh, activities 
providing some sort of ground that feels solid and coherent and trustworthy. That's so beautiful, Penny. That really is. Yes, that coherence that's available in an experience like an email class. And as you say, putting that together with the year-long retreat. I mean, essentially being with Sangha in that way. And the word that kept coming up for me as you were describing that was unconditional. And that that mm-hmm. feels like that that is so, I mean, especially in, you know, yes, you look out in the world and there's all these things that are happening and it can feel very fragmenting. And, and as you said in that last conversation that we were just listening to, that's scary and overwhelming and, and all those things. And to be practicing with a group of people to step back into that place of, you know, that unconditional, the, the unconditional love, the unconditional compassion, the being with all of it exactly as it is, which doesn't preclude mm-hmm. any of it, you know, any feelings that people have about it or approaches or that sort of thing, but that coherence of being together and being willing to practice to be with all of it is, is extraordinary. It is, and, and, and all of that reinforces the fundamental sense that life itself is okay, you know. Yeah. That we're okay and, and, and we're okay in life in, in a way that it doesn't often feel that way if I read the news. Right, right, yeah. So it underscores that much larger sense of that life is okay. Life mm-hmm. is okay in a way that, you and know, well, and reading the news being a microcosm for looking to conditioned mind, right? That we're never going <laughs> right. to find that okayness there. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. So, well, Penny, thank you so much for being with us. That was a lovely conversation and, you know, such a testament to the power of the email class and to all of practice. Yeah. Thank you very much for asking. Mm. Thanks, Penny. Go happy. Okay. Okay. And bye. Sorry, I'll turn it back over to you, Bob and Ashwini. Thank you, Jan, and thank you, Penny. Ashwini, I, I was fortunate enough to participate in that email class, and it was pretty much all, all they said. <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. the thing that oh I, gosh, yeah. the one thing that, there are many things, but the one thing that I really resonated with me what they're talking about is like to do it at, you know, as a song, right, to read everyone's responses, to hear people talk on the, uh, the weekly calls. Um, I don't know, something about that just really helps to kind of solidify that understanding that one, that anything that isn't, you know, just here in life and it's all okay is conditioning. And that what the experience I'm having is because we've all been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It somehow helps to dispel the myth that we're somehow all alone and we're special in this in the suffering, right? It normalizes it somehow and makes it a thing that we are all practicing to transcend. And it just feels so supportive to do it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and seems mainly because it, at least one reason I see is that like because conditioning relies on us being all alone to itself. Mm. And when yeah. we when we are willing to participate, whether it's in the email class, writing in and reading and listening to calls or calling in or being on open air and calling in, 
um, it, it all helps to break that, that illusion that, that it's just me off with conditioning. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It really dispels the illusion of the only hope, the only reality is me and conditioning. It, it really cuts through that, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't know, this, this round of responses was so inspired, as someone mentioned on the call, it was like Sherry was writing a book, and I think we'll continue to read it, you know, that encouragement to continue to go back and look at the responses and really, really um, internalize it. And I've been recording a bunch of them myself, you know, just after the class has been over because it's so rich. Yeah, yeah, it's so rich. All right, so if we bring on another caller here, Ashwini. Okay. Next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Hello, Ashwini and Bob. This is Jeff in North Carolina. Hey, Jeff. Hey. So um, I, uh, I wanted to bring up um, what, what, how would I talk about it? Um, basically, uh, the question about uh, whether or not to offer meditation in some form or other to uh, to others. Um, uh, so, in one case, I've I've been asked um, to do that um, at my workplace, um, just as a you know a one-time thing during our. Uh, staff work week at the beginning of the school year coming up. Um, and the, on the other case, it's about what, uh, you know, mindfulness is something that uh, takes place in school, in many schools. And I've always, and it's, you know, in the other classroom, there's a teacher who's very much into uh, doing mindfulness with uh, her class. And I've always kind of, um, not been sure, you know, about doing that. Um, and sometimes I have, and sometimes I haven't. Uh, and uh, this last year, it really was because my co-teacher was asking and a student was asking um, that I ended up starting to do that sometime, uh, you know, after maybe a couple months of the school year through the rest of the school year. Um, anyway, so, but I, I don't, I've never brought it to, you know, to guidance before, surprisingly. Um, but, and I thought it was, uh, it just occurred to me, oh, yeah, that's something I can do. I can bring this, uh, this question up here and, and ask for guidance. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so, so just exploring your process around that, I would think, right, Jeff? Because um, so, so I think that's what we'll be doing in this conversation, which is exploring that process of, of not being sure and then of discovering that if you're not sure, then you can look at what that is about and you can bring it to guidance. Yeah. Because if yeah, you're not absolutely. sure, that's what, well, bringing to guidance is an interesting thing. It's not tell me whether I should do this or not, right? Although, mm. uh, you know, that's what guidance gets um sometimes trans, uh, transformed into, which is, do I have permission to do this or not? Am I the right person if I do this or not? And just to, mm. to recognize that guidance is a process of exploration of whatever is arising for, for you around this particular content, 
which is the first place that you want to be looking. Yeah. Thank you for characterizing it that way. That's, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, and there's, there's so much about it that I, I can't imagine how it's going to all fit into this conversation and probably won't. So that's okay, too. Um, um, you know, so brief, briefly, on, on the leading, uh, whatever, leading, I don't even sure if I like that word, but, but offering um, meditation to adults who are choosing that, who are saying, yes, this is something I would like to participate in. Um, you know, I've, I've been aware that, or it seems to me that people uh, tend to be really interested and they tend to be kind of exploring that for themselves. And I've, I've, really, um, I've really valued that opportunity to, to offer them just, you know, a little bit and a compassionate, you know, a compassionate process of, of looking at that. Um, you know, and um, I'm also aware that I'm not, you know, they're, they're, I, even, anyway, I'm not offering them or, and, you know, any kind of ongoing support, not that I'm saying that I should, um, but that's, you know, where do they go from there? You know, I don't know. Um, um, so that's kind of like uh, the brief version of, um, I, it's always been something I've really enjoyed doing, but that, but I don't know that it's helpful or not. Um, so, anyway. Ah, uh-huh. so in the exploration of your process, what I hear you saying is you're in touch with wh- where the impulse comes from, right? So it's not that you're uh, you're forcing this on someone. This is something that has been. This is a group of people interested in this exploration, and. So it's a, it's almost like someone is asking, and so here, so um, it, yeah, it's not an imposition, right? You're not standing there making them meditate. This is this is a group of people who are exploring meditation, and the second piece of your of the process is getting in touch with wait, that this is something that I actually enjoy offering, and so those are the two those are two aspects of the process that you're exploring, right? So that's why I want to do this. Yes, and I think the third is I think I I you know I don't I don't I want to be careful because I'm not I don't have a very good memory of this but I but I I thought I heard some questioning somewhere in in practice of the of the idea of doing this um, and certainly I've had a conversation with Sherry about you know um, causing me to be wary of any you know getting in being in the role of spiritual teacher which I, I see that tendency, you know, for sure, that tendency in myself to liking that role is very strong. Um, so that's, I think that's a big reason. Well, that's one reason for the caution. Oh, this, this case, that's really not maybe so big because I'm not intending to have any ongoing relationship and this is something I'm being asked by others to do. Um, but th- I guess the question is, uh-huh. you know, uh, anyway, I, I have so many questions. But, so, but no, I thought no, no, it, I, and that, go ahead. That, and that's important, right, Jeff, that part of exploring the process is to bring all of these considerations out. Because I project, I don't know this, but I project you suffer over it, right? Because there are uh, all of these the elements and, and a composite of things that are coming up that cause you to be in, the, in that conundrum of should I or should I not? And that's a duality. And so the reason we look at a process is to determine what the components of the suffering are and see if you can transcend it. 
right? So whatever the content is, it's not whether you do it or not. It's more, more whether you explore it fully to, um, to get a sense of how you are with it. So the caution for you is there is a pull towards an identity of a spiritual teacher, and you've received guidance in the past that that might not be the, that if you really want to be a spiritual teacher, you're probably disqualifying yourself from being that, right? And so right. there is that tendency, and then sort of it's counter, counteracted by this other place of, well, if this is not an ongoing relationship with someone, perhaps that, that caution does not have to be exercised. And it's interesting because that very same thing is also part of the duality of the, of, well, if, if I offer this and people don't have a place to go with it on an ongoing basis, is it really helpful? Which, all of which I think are interesting questions. Yes. Yes. Um, and, oh, yeah, and thank you for all this. Is, this is all is very helpful. Because um, I, I was not really looking at my own process so much. I was, I was more in that duality of, is this a, the right or wrong thing to do um, until this conversation. And um, so um, Which is also one thing I noticed. to see, right, Jeff? Uh-huh. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that, I would say yeah. that that is a process we all struggle with continuously, is it, or is it not the right thing to do, rather than queuing into, if I'm in the conversation about whether or not it's the right or wrong thing to do, I really need to get past the, the, the conditioned approach to looking at this, which is always content-focused, in order to focus on my process around it to see what I see around it. Because what I'm really interested in is not suffering. Right. Yeah, right. Not getting it right. <laughs> and so then, and then you call in to the open air, to open air to look at it, and I project you vote, you write into the guest master, but that, ex, that maturity yeah. of writing into the guest master for guidance, it comes from having fully explored your process, and uh, Sherry always says, right, that's what guidance is. You've, you've seen whatever you've seen about it so far. You present uh-huh. that to the person that you're asking guidance from, and they'll give you a next place to look. Guidance will never tell you what to do, which, which you can think of as extremely frustrating, or the beauty of that, yeah. that the, what we're doing here, right? So, okay, look here next, and then see, tell me what you see, and then look here next, and tell me what you see. And, and then we're in the process of inquiry and the process of looking at how to end suffering rather than being caught in that place of, well, should I or should I not do this thing? Yeah, well, well, in the in that, and listening to you, those last few sentences, um, yes, now <laughs> I'm on board with that. It's, it's just so much more interesting and, uh, and so much more enlightening and, 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 and there's so much less suffering in the process of paying attention um, and not not trying to get it right, um, but what well, what's going on here? Let's let's look at the process. That is uh, right. that's much more exciting. Yes, and it's not like it, 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 I don't know a deadline might come to say yes or no. At which point you'll know what to do, Where, wherever you are in your process of exploration, and then you'll have a workshop around that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And, right? and so there so, are some guidelines around guidance, right, Jeff, which is useful for all of us, which is A, you, we thoroughly explore where we are, and we kind of put that out there uh, if, we, if we are in a guidance process with practice, and then practice responds. And if practice doesn't respond, one of those things that we are or hasn't responded yet, one of those things that we are, are sort of um, two things we're given in terms of guidelines around that, which is don't act without, if you ask for guidance, don't ask before you receive the guidance, right? Because you're in process here. And that itself is a lot of information about decision making. And then the second piece of it is, you know, if, you, if, if you're asking for guidance and there's an emergency around whatever content that you're asking for guidance, then you're training to be present. So get here, pick up the recorder, let's see what life tells you, give it your best, don't indulge in self-hate, and then go back and report what you did and all you've seen about it. Okay. So um, thank you for that. And a clarifying question, I, what you were saying just a little bit ago, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what you meant. Um, do you, I'm, so let me just check this out and see if it's you meant it may or may not be, but do you, cause I, I, uh, wrote into the guest master and asked, um, you know, about, about part the part of, part of this about, um, and so, and now I'm asking it about an open air. Are, is one, one thing you're, you're saying now that rather than asking about it on open air, it would have been better to wait and receive the guidance from the email I had sent oh, in before. Okay. No, no, that's not what I meant at all. Because here we're exploring the process, and I would probably encourage you to follow up with the guest master, especially if you if the guidance is timely or you've seen something more about it, and um, and let them know that you know it would be helpful for you if you if you could be in 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 process with the process. <laughs> so and that's just to the say that again, I could right? be in process with the process. Uh huh. Yeah, so it's not like uh, if it's timely for you in some way, then you could follow up. Okay. Okay. And, and well, so, so I, I, let me restate that just to be really clear, okay. clear and answer to your question, right, Jeff? When, we, when, we're, when you call into open air, unless it's the guide on the call, it's unlikely you will get guidance. <laughs> but if, mm-hmm. if you're facilitating your process, we could look at your process. So when you write to the guide to the guest master, it's slightly different because that will be that will go into a formal process of guidance, and the guide will mm-hmm. respond through the guest master. Right? It doesn't mean that they're mutually exclusive processes. We could certainly look at which which we did. Uh, okay, well, I, we we talked about the process of guidance and looked at that, and we talked about your process around this content, and we looked at that. So it's all it's all it's all um, it's all what we do. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so glad, um, you know, um, that to have this conversation. It's really, uh, really helped me step back and and look at the process. And uh, um, as you say, I also have there's all, the guest master, and that that process of of asking for guidance is also available. So, but I'm glad both the process. Absolutely. Uh, it, processing is available with with guidance, and then getting mm-hmm. specific guidance when necessary is also available. So thank you for, for and making the distinction. Of, um, those are both that's helpful. Yes, and it's always what we're doing here, right? <laughs> right, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciated.
Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Ashwini, I'm going to bring on another caller here. Next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Oh, hey, this is Mary Jane in California. Hey, Mary Jane. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> um, let me see. I guess I had, well, I have a particular thorn that pops in my side that I, I seem to be transcending, but it keeps coming back. It's kind of this form of conditioning that's more of like, I call it, I mean, I think it's called kind of something like intrusive thoughts or like, um, like someone's name might come into my mind or their face or it's not a you voice. Um, but it's menacing, you know, um, and I've just been kind of seeing through that process because I start to get afraid of it, and yeah, so that's what I've been looking at. So Mary Jane, I missed a few of the first words that you said, but oh, okay. I think what you're saying is you're looking at a particular form of uh, of conditioning, which is intrusive thoughts that take the form of an image not necessarily words that that result in you feeling afraid or experiencing yeah, yeah. fear, or someone's and that's name. what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and it's it's interesting because I was just as we were the last during the last call, I've been looking at the process, and it it tends to happen during endings, <laughs> like when I leave when I'm leaving someone. Like it, it's like if I look at well, when is it happening? I just have been noticing that about it. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, and, and again, as we were looking at in the last conversation, it's, it's really bringing the, a practice of awareness to what's going on for you, right? So it's paying mm-hmm. attention and really, really looking to see what's going on. And so a particular flavor of the looking for you is, is when does it tend to happen? And you've noticed it tends to happen when you're leaving someone. Or try, leaving yeah. someone—is that what you said? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like at the part, like saying goodbye, or you know, in that moment. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. um, and also, I just noticed—I think I—I've uh, started to be able to say, "Oh, this person. Oh, I'm noticing you're having like these thoughts are happening," rather than "I'm in it." You know, because I think for a while I was in it, uh-huh. and now I can kind of observe. Oh, this process is going on. Oh, maybe I'm stressed. Uh-huh. You know, I might almost say like, uh-huh. oh, I guess I'm a little stressed right now, or tired, or something. It doesn't need to mean anything. Uh huh. Well, and it doesn't even have to mean that, right? That's but true. That yeah, that yeah, is yeah. So powerful. Of okay, well, I'm in it, and now I actually know that this process is happening. Gives me distance from it. It's like it's. You could say, oh, the wind's blowing, right? Exactly, exactly. Here are those intrusive thoughts, and it's an observation. Mm -hmm. So that's been my huge practice, yeah, because I I think the you voice I've gotten, like, it can say the nastiest things, and I'm not so bothered by it, but this one is like, it it just has been getting me a little more, so I'm kind of trying to shift to that, oh yeah, the wind is blowing, oh that's, it's just, yeah, it's not personal, you know. Yes. And, and that is so important, right, Mary Jane, because what you're illustrating is 
oh, I have negative intrusive thoughts. And if we weren't, we weren't bringing awareness practice to it, which means I'm paying attention, right? Mm. I'm just noticing. Then it becomes, okay, so now I have to figure out why I'm having these negative thoughts. Why is it, why is it, why is it that this image of this person produces mm-hmm. fear? Why does it happen in the moment that I say goodbye? Now, is there some psychological significance to that? Or, mm. you know, we could go down that path. But the, the interesting part for you, the, the way you said it is, well, a you voice doesn't bother me anymore. And that's simply it. If, you, if, if we pay attention, if we have attention on awareness, if we're noticing it, thoughts can come and go and we're not bothered by them because that's the only way we can deal with that, right? Mm. Really, if we, if we are able to witness anything, then all we're doing is witnessing it. We're not participating in it. We're not engaging in it. We're not suffering from it. And so the mm. movement of noticing is the, the highest resolution of any, any problem <laughs> that is caused by conditioned mind because mm. we just don't, we just don't engage. We're disidentified from it, right? Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm getting there. You know, like I'm closer than I was a few weeks ago, even. Um, yeah. And and that it. Uh, yeah. It just gets me because that's what can kind of get me, right? Like that can get my attention. Still. Yes. Yes, and I would project that because it gets it, it feeds it it feeds that way, right? So it's constantly mm-hmm. sending something, and your the mind is sending something that you will attend to, and then you attend to it, and now that has a little bit more weight, so it's going to come back again, and then it sends it to you again, and it gets you, and so then it's a little bit more sticky, and it comes back again, right? And so that's that. What we notice is. What we, what we pay attention to tends to get reinforced. And then, and then it's this, then we said, okay, well, then I'm not going to attend to it. And there's nothing like not wanting to attend to it to have it come back more. <laughs> That's exactly. what, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so now you practice on, practice, what is the redirective attention there? that is more compelling than that because somehow or the other you're going to have to break that circuit. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, if I'm focused on not attending to it, then it is still the focus of the attention. Yeah, rather than yeah. I'm, a, so I'm attending to, like being in my body, I'm here, I feel the wind, yeah. I feel like my yeah. voice talking to you. Um, yes. and, or mm-hmm. I have compassion, like, oh, that's coming up for the being who's being subjected to that, sometimes that, like, oh, this is hard, like, you know, and this will pass, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, not investing, but, yeah, like you said, not, not, you don't want to push it away, but, yeah, it's just, it's a, I guess I'm becoming, (laughs) I'm, like, taking my practice to the next level, like a lot of people have been talking about, you know, I've just had to take it to another level. Yes, and what you're pointing to is there's a redirect of attention to the moment, right? If, I, if I'm fully in my body and I'm noticing the wind in, on my cheeks or just, you know, paying close attention to what, we're, what you're saying or what I'm saying or whatever else, there's a, there is an attention 
there's a redirect of attention away from those thoughts. I'm not in conditioned mind attempting to transcend conditioned mind. Which yeah, yeah, works. exactly. Yeah, just like, or at least I'm, I'm in the intending to be in a process of, of love also. Like, okay, let me just be in a loving presence for everything. And even that going on can be held in compassion and awareness. awareness. Like, That's exactly so. right. It's in conscious awareness rather than subterraneanly sabotage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, thank you. Thank you. I w- yeah, I'm glad I pushed the question mark button, I guess, in the corner of the mobile app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always good to check it out. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mary Jane. Thanks, Mary Jane. And there was so much in that conversation, Ashwini. And the, you know, one of the things that came up for me as the two were talking is like, it seems that if I am in the place where I'm like responding to conditioning, it can feel like I'm, you know, battling against it or trying to sort it out. But I'm still in a conversation with conditioning. And mm-hmm. you know, in my experience, all conditioning really cares is whether it has my attention, not what I'm doing with that That's attention. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's got you whether you are in it or listening to it and believing it or trying not to listen to it and believe it, right? Yeah, and, and something I've, you know, that certainly with recording and listening that's really helpful in breaking that process is that if it's, in my experience, I can't be in a conversation with the mentor about it and be in a, and in a relationship with conditioning at the same time. It's just not possible. So if I pick up the reporter and I just, in the simplest way, just describe it or look at it or, or just talk about what, what was going on, I am no longer in that conversation with conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, that is so profound, right, uh, Bob, because it answers that question about how, do I, how, how can I be with something? So if I'm talking... If I'm looking and talking uh, into the recorder about what's going on for me, I'm talking from that experience, right? It, it requires a tremendous level of attention and awareness to be able to articulate that. And so it's shifted from being in it to looking at it, from being in, uh, looking through conditioned mind to looking at conditioned mind. And that vantage point is one of attention and awareness. And so then we have redirected the attention in a very, very skillful way and we can see it, and we can be with the human being having the experience and exploring it at the same time. Yeah, and for me, also not not being in the illusion that I'm actually looking at conditioning, you know, because that's uh-huh. that's a big place of like, you know, I I can believe that I'm somehow kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with conditioning and why is this happening and all that stuff, uh-huh. and and that really, you know, like I was saying earlier, that's I'm still caught up in kissing at that point. I'm not yeah. uh, watching it or noticing it or you know, being in a conversation, uh, you know, in awareness around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it cuts through the illusion that you are actually doing practice when you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Much better than the alternative. <laughs> It's much better, much better than the alternative. Amen. Yes. All right, Ashwini. That brings us to the end of this week's open air. And we'll welcome everyone back, and hopefully Michael will be back next week.
Well, thank you so much, Bob, for stepping in, and thank you, everybody, for your participation. Go happy. Go happy. <laughs>